Good evening. It's good to see all of you here. I'm glad that uh, you've made it back and uh, glad that we have this opportunity to, to be together tonight, uh, to, to study a little bit together, think about some spiritual things, fellowship with each other, uh, and worship, worship our Lord. Um, I'm always thankful for the times that I get to, get to preach, um, and I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate uh, being allowed to do so from time to time. Obviously, a lot of times I'll pull from uh, some of the things that we are working with our young people, uh, teaching and material that, that we're teaching to them. Uh, and recently, actually this morning, uh, we studied from the book of Nehemiah, and we talked about the occurrence uh, in which Ezra, upon request of the people, um, got, the, got out the law and stood on a wooden platform that they had made for him, and they listened attentively as he read from the law for from daybreak until noon. Um, and so that's not the material I'm pulling from tonight, but uh, that is a, a beautiful thought uh, of the people of God desiring so much to hear his words uh, that, they, that they requested and called out for the word to be read in their presence and that they listened attentively and afterward even says that they went home and they went away rejoicing uh, that they were uh, able to hear the words uh, that, that had been given to, to them. Tonight I want to uh, touch on our theme for our youth ministry for this school year. Um, we studied recently the, the story of the paralytic being healed, the one who was lowered down um, to be healed. And in, uh, in that passage is a phrase, um, bringing them in and laying them before Jesus or bringing him in and laying him before Jesus. Jesus is here. He's healing many people. Uh, this, was, this was quickly the cry, the, the word that began to spread around uh, as the presence of the Lord was made known in that city. Uh, for one group of friends, though, their thoughts quickly shifted to a friend of theirs who was paralyzed. This was their chance. Uh, they would be able to really help this friend because they knew the power of Jesus. They knew what he had done. They knew what he could do. And they had faith that he would heal their friend. But, but this was not going to be easy. Uh, they likely already knew that the crowds, uh, the crowds were... Um, dense and desperate, the ones that were uh, gathering around Jesus as, uh, as, as he was uh, traveling around and doing his ministry. Uh, th there were times when the, the Bible tells us that he, he would withdraw from the group and go away to a private place to pray, partly because the crowd was, was uh, pressing in on him. But these friends knew that they might never have another chance to help their friend and certainly they wouldn't have anyone who could help, help, help him the way that Jesus could. 
So one by one, uh, they arrived at their friend's house. They uh, had hopeful looks. They were determined um, they would finally see their good friend, this man that they all knew. They, they, they would finally see him made physically whole. In their excitement, they each grabbed a corner of the man's bed and lifted him bed and all, carried him to the place where Jesus was. And as expected, the crowd was overwhelming. There was no line. It was just a solid mob all the way around the house. No, no line forming, no gap anywhere. People pressing against the house, probably looking in the windows and, and peeking in the door, waiting for their turn to get in so that Jesus might, might heal them or help them in some way. Imagine the paralytic um, sighing, uh, having a look of disappointment on his face, but yet a, a look of kindness, uh, one that you would give to someone who had been trying to help you but had been unable to and you knew that they wanted to help and I imagine him looking, looking at his friends and telling them, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for caring enough about me to get me this far and to try to help me, to try to see me healed. But obviously, uh, I understand that it's impossible. It's going to be impossible to get me through this crowd, let alone me on this bed and and I just know that it, that it won't work. And then I imagine those friends with, uh, with courage, with a determination in their voices, raising their heads up, looking at each other in the eye and, and saying something like, you, you will see Jesus and you will be healed uh, with all the faith in the world. So... They picked up some rope, maybe one of them had it, but they, they, they picked up some rope, tied it to the corners of the bed. Some of the friends climbed up on the roof of the house while others lifted the bed up over their heads and pushed it up and handed it to the men on the roof. Once the bed was up, they, they all climbed on top of the house, got to the spot that looked... Uh, like it would work the best and they began removing tiles and digging into this roof until the hole was big enough to lower a, an adult male on a bed down into the house. Jesus surprised them all when he showed that the man's greatest need was not physical, but spiritual. Uh, they, they lowered him down, and the first interaction that Jesus had with this, with this man was to say, your sins are forgiven. We get that wrong a lot, too, um, assuming that we know a person's greatest need and then remembering that everyone's greatest need is a relationship with Christ. But Jesus showed that. He said, your sins are forgiven. And then he looked at the man and said, rise, pick, your, pick up your bed, and go home. I can just imagine their gratitude, their, their joy, 
excitement spilling out of that house as, as their friend has been healed. The cheering, uh, the, just the joy uh, that would have been experienced by that group of people. He'd, he'd no longer be known as a paralytic, uh, but he'd be known forever as uh, the man who was forgiven by Jesus himself and then healed uh, of, uh, of his um, handicap. And as we read this story, and as we read it, um, I asked the teens to think about this, but maybe, maybe your thoughts drifted to a friend th that you have, a, a friend who, um, by all respects, uh, in, your, in your mind, just, just deserves to be able to be physically whole. Uh, you, you, would, you would love to see them have... Uh, whatever issues that they that they're suffering from or or dealing with, have those taken out of the way. Or maybe you thought about a friend who who needs to see Jesus for whatever reason, who needs to to know Him. If you believe that your friend's greatest need to, could be satisfied by Jesus, um, wouldn't you drop everything? And do your best to carry her to him, to bring her to him, and to lay her before him in whatever way possible uh, and, and see the, that need met. Can Christ be seen in you? Can people see Christ in you through you as you live your life and as you interact? with the people that you come in contact with? Is your love for the Lord and for your friend evident in the importance that you place on them in the way that you act? So my charge tonight, bring, bring them in and lay them before Jesus. But what does that mean? Um, and how can, how can we do this? Obviously, it's a little bit different um, looking at this situation that we've just talked about and, and thinking about the task that's before us today. Well, Luke 5 and verse 18 is, is our theme verse and simply says, And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. They were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. This man's friend, first and friends, first and foremost, were seeking. They were seekers. They were looking for an opportunity to bring their friend before Jesus. They undoubtedly had known, at least some of them had known about Christ and had, had realized this opportunity and had begun looking for, uh, looking for the chance. I imagine when he came into the area especially in really close proximity, how their excitement would have, uh, would have increased and they, they would have begin, begun to think about the possibilities and just what could be accomplished if they could only get near to Christ. So they were seeking and when the chance came, when the opportunity came, they acted. And so these seekers were more than just seekers in heart, seekers in mind, 
or in, in they, they actually wanted to do what it was they were seeking to do. They, they acted on that opportunity when it came. And so does this sound like you? Are you a seeker when it comes to the needs of others, when it comes to uh, the greatest need that everyone has, everyone that we know has, everyone that we will know, that greatest need of knowing Christ, of seeking Him, submitting to Him, uh, and, and being forgiven. So are you a seeker, and how, how can you become one if, if you don't feel like you are? If you feel like, well, no, I, I just I don't have the drive to seek for these opportunities. I don't, I don't know where to look for them. I don't know what to do when the opportunity comes. Well, a couple things. Uh, we can become seekers by seeing every person as an individual. Uh, we've talked about that before. And I know you've thought about the, the importance of this, that we, we need to see every person as an individual who has an eternal soul. And that eternal soul is going to live forever, whether in heaven or in hell. And we have to, when we begin to see those people in this light, I believe it'll become not only easier to take the opportunities, but harder to ignore the opportunities when they come. Galatians 6.10, do good to everyone. And, 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 this, and in, in that idea comes this desire to help every person, to see every person as an individual. So are you a seeker or are you seeking out each person that you come in contact with realizing that greatest need they have. And then, uh, in general, by seeking God first, by seeking first the kingdom, the church, the, the, the will of the Lord uh, before everything else. And when we begin to do that um, and we value people, we're going to, they're going to fall uh, into a responsibility that we have to reach out to each of them. So these men were seeking... But what were they, they were seeking to do something. He says they were seeking to bring him in. And I, I know physically we understand exactly what that means in the context that these men were looking for a way to get into the house to get to Jesus. But how can we apply this to our situation today? If we're seeking to bring people in, what is it that we're bringing them in to? We talk about the church, the body, the fellowship, the, the unity, the oneness. All of this is built on love for God and love for each other. And so when we talk about bringing someone in, we have all those things in mind and we begin looking for an opportunity to, to help them see the importance to help them want. Uh, I, I remember, and we probably a lot of us uh, remember driving to church, um, maybe this morning. But um, I know when I was younger, I, I would, I, I would, we, on the way to church, we'd see people out in the yard or people doing what, what have you, you know, obviously not headed to worship, and somebody would inevitably say, "Well, I guess y'all need to go to church," or you know, we'd, we'd kind of. We kind of look, you know, not really proud, but we would think, well, I'm glad I'm going to church. I, I wish they were. And, and used to it was more of a, 
more of a reprimand in my heart. But, but now I look at those people and I say, I, I wish I could express to them. I wish I could let them see, somehow let them see the joy that I get from being a part of a body like this, from being a part of a fellowship that has bonds that are eternal. <clears throat> Even a family bond, you know, uh, blood's thicker than water, but the blood of Jesus that connects his children is thicker than all of those things and gives us an opportunity to be together forever to, and to, to fellowship together and with our God forever. And so when we talk about bringing them in, it, it, can't, be, it can't be a looking down your nose and thinking, well, you just need to, you know, you need to get over what you've always believed or what you've always thought and get in, you know, fall in line and, and understand the truth. What we have to do is help people understand, help them to experience the love that Christ has shown us and given us and, and wants us to share. First John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So when we are seeking to bring people in, we first have to focus on our own bond with Christ. And then we might be able to bring someone else in to help lay them before Jesus, but certainly not before we consider our own bond with Christ. So then the focus can shift outward. Uh, after, after we focus on our own bond with Christ, we, we focus then on the people that, that we connect ourselves with, the people who have connected themselves to us. We are bringing them somewhere. We are bringing them with us and that's great if we are headed toward Jesus. But then we have to begin to ask ourselves, where am I really headed? And where does my life say I am focused? And where, what direction does my heart have? And, and, and is that direction uh, exemplified in the life that I, that I live? We are bringing them with us. Are, are we bringing them to Jesus or are we leading them astray? And so when we think about that, you know, we, we've heard that our whole life. You don't, don't be led astray or don't lead someone astray. And usually we think, well, that's, that's old Johnny who's, who, who's got some kind of... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not sinister, but he's, uh, he, he's looking for something to get into. And, and so... Uh, he, he, don't be led astray by, by, the, by the bad things that he's doing, by, by the bad example that he's setting. But you know, leading someone astray doesn't have to mean that we're pulling them towards something sinful. It doesn't have to mean that we're preying on someone's weaknesses or, or even being a bad example in that we're doing something wrong in front of them and we're, we're leading them astray. Pulling or leading someone astray... Think about these men who took their, their paralyzed friend to Jesus. They didn't have to take him to the, I don't know what they called it then, but the, the, the bar 
They didn't have to take him to the bar and say, let's, you know, let's drink until we forget about the fact that you're paralyzed. And in order to lead him astray, they didn't have to do that. All they had to do was, knowing that Jesus was near, all they had to do was take him, take him somewhere other than to Christ. Or all they had to really do was just leave him there. Don't, don't reach out to him. Don't, don't pull him toward Christ at all. And, and that in and of itself is not leading him in the right direction. Jesus was near. The man needed Jesus. All they had to do to fail that friend was to leave him there or take him anywhere but to Christ. Now Jesus calls all people to himself. He, he, he has a universal call to all people. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. The call is to every one. And we are either leaving our friends where they are and we're failing them by not bringing them to Christ or we're bringing them with us and going somewhere or to someone or to something other than Jesus and again we're failing them or we're bringing them in and we are helping them find Jesus we're helping them come in contact with Christ Lay them before Jesus. Are you living a life that directs others' attention to Christ in a good way? When you are around people, do you think their minds tend toward spiritual things or toward anything and everything else? Remember, to fail your friends, you only need to fail to direct their minds toward Christ. You, you don't have to have some evil agenda. You don't, you don't, you don't have to have some sinister plot that, you're, that is unfolding and, and, and take them down some dark road. You don't have to do that. You, you just have to leave them where they are or take them somewhere, even if it's an okay place, but you know they need Jesus. You're leaving them, you're, you're letting them down when, when you don't help them contact Christ. A couple of practical things. Um, bringing them in. Um, there are a lot of people who come in these doors, and we have a lot of visitors. I'm sure we have visitors tonight. Um, and so in our youth group, one of the things that we, we do when we talk about bringing them in, well, obviously they're already here, but we, we want them to stay, and we want them as they're here to, to feel welcome. Um, so one of the things we try to do is make an effort to speak to every visitor. And I know we try to do that. But obviously, we don't want a person to go home and say, well, nobody talked to me. And by the way, I'm not talking about just visitors. Um, we have a responsibility to each other, a great responsibility to each other. And we need to be bringing each other to Jesus as well. Lay them before Jesus. We can do this on a daily basis without even taking a step by laying people before Christ in prayer, 
uh, as we uh, think about them throughout the day, as, as our hearts are, are pouring out to, to God all day long, as we're praying without ceasing, we're in that prayerful mindset, um, you know, we ought to feel like we begin a conversation with God when we wake up in the morning and that that conversation continues throughout the day. Um, I know sometimes we get bogged down. I have in the past getting, gotten bogged down by, well, I got I to gotta say all the words right, you know. I, I got to, I always have to uh, say it out louder in my mind, God or Father, or, and, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but God knows that you're talking to Him, especially in your personal and private prayers. And, and sometimes I feel like if I, if I say the whole form prayer, for every little thing that I lose the momentum, I lose, you know, I lose my concentration and I kind of lose, lose what I'm trying to do in the form. So start a conversation with God and, and let, it, let it last all day and do that for these people whom you are trying to bring in and lay before Jesus. Again, this phrase, again, bringing them in might make you think of outsiders, but we're not only talking about outsiders. We have to continually bring each other in. Constantly pull each other toward the center, toward Christ. Help each other find Him. Uh, keeping our eyes open to the needs in one another's lives. A lot of times we know, don't we? Certainly we know when, when we discuss it and when we, have, when we have prayer requests and people lay issues before us and ask us to pray, but a lot of times we know even when they don't say, right? We, we know that each other need prayer, even if we don't know or don't have a feeling that someone needs our prayers, we know that they do because each of us needs that every day. Um, so keep your eyes open for those, for those needs. And, and then, just like those friends, not only look for an opportunity, not only seek the opportunities, but, but when you find opportunities to reach out, to bring each other in, to serve each other, act on the knowledge. Meet, meet the needs that, that you discover. Help each other. Love each other. When we bring people in, just as we were talking about before, we need to know what we're bringing them into. And if you wonder what that is, might I suggest that, that you open up yourself and your heart to, to this group of people, to this body of believers, and allow them, uh, allow them to help you understand the great purpose behind the body of Christ, behind the church. When Christ organized the church the way that he did, he had our well-being at heart and he wanted us to know that love and the joy that, that this family atmosphere brings. He knew that not everyone would have real family that would look out for them and take care of them and, and love them and help them. He knew that because it's the way of the world. People don't always do what they should. But he also knew that if he, if he set up his body, he made us all individual members of his body. And... and put us as he, where he pleased in the body. He, he knew that we would find our way to each other and that we would love and take care of each other 
and be there for one another in mighty ways. If you could help solve a friend's greatest physical problem, illness, handicap, weakness, would you do it? Jesus could and can forgive sins and heal any physical issues a person has. We can be the kind of friends who bring everyone we know or meet in and we can lay them before Jesus. Jesus may use us to speak his words to them. He may use us to minister to their physical needs so that they will be open uh, to his offer to meet their greatest need. And if we concentrate on bringing them to Christ, we can trust that God will make sure they have a real opportunity for salvation. I believe that. I believe the Bible teaches that if a person wants to know the truth, that they'll know that truth and it'll make them free. John 8, verse 32. I don't know where you are tonight. I don't know if you are waiting for someone to come and bring you in and to lay you before Jesus. I don't know if you are here but don't feel yet like you are in his presence or, or like uh, he is with you and, and for you. Or if you've been brought in and if you've been laying at the feet of Jesus for a long time, but you found yourself without motivation, without, um, without the heart for him that you once had. Only you know those things, and, and my prayer for you tonight would be that you would realize your greatest need, that of being with and uh, right with our Savior. And if, if you're not, uh, my prayer is that you would make that right. Make it right within yourself, um, or if you, if you need encouragement, we're here to help you in that way. Maybe you need baptism. Um, You've, you're ready to repent of the sinful life that you once lived and, and proclaim that Jesus is the Son of God and be baptized, have your sins washed away. We can do that tonight. We have water prepared and, and uh, pain-free, wonderful process. Uh, but whatever your need is, we hope that you would take care of it and that you would focus and go in the direction that, that we need to be going. Whatever that need, come now as we stand and sing together. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are you are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the 
soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the The table is still set this evening for those who are not able to partake of the Lord's Supper this morning. As we sing number 383, we'll sing the first verse. And as we sing that verse, if you would please make your way to one of these front pews and to have a seat. And after this song, we will take the time to partake of that meal. Number 383, the first verse only. Jesus, keep me near. 